Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Elite Physique University. Um, we're on episode 78. Uh, we're finally talking about a topic us three have been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, so we're going to go all about keto today. Um, so I'm here with John and Jason as normal. Uh, so how has your guys' week been going? Anything new? Jason, yours is exciting, man. Like you may as well just yeah. tell everybody. You've been on vacation um, and buying stuff. Like tell everybody about yeah. your week. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was on a quick trip to Cancun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, some nice relaxation. Um, and then I bought basically what I would call my dream house. Um, the pool, the hot tub. It's got four car, got four car garage, um, a really nice study den. It's really nice. Going to be awesome to work in, and those were a lot of my um, like my points that I wanted to hit, and it and it had them all. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, and then next week, I'm going to just try to make time for the pod at five. But I'm take my I'm I'm accompanying my parents um, to Amish country. Um, we're going for like four days. Um, we're going to help my mom because my dad has Parkinson's and they were going to cancel the trip maybe. And I was like, you know what? That's why I have the jobs I have. Like we'll, we'll get, we'll help. We'll go and we'll help. So, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to go one, one extreme of, of Cancun to the extreme of Amish country. <laughs> and I feel like I'm going to enjoy somewhere in the middle, but <laughs> But uh, but but make best of both. So that's that's what's going on with me. Um, otherwise, business has been great. I've been adding more mentor uh, ships with teams. So a lot of teams have reached out. Um, that's cool. So those are firing up. Uh, I've been selling my classes online and that's been really well received the last two times I've done it. Um, so for me on the business side, things are cool. Yeah. And the nice thing too is, you know, Kayla does a good job of putting all of our contact info in the show notes. So if you do want to check out Jason's classes or the mentorship program, any of that, just go to the show notes right now on your device you're listening to, and it'll all be down there at the bottom. So uh, for me, business, I'm going to crack this because this is actually the most relaxing part of my day. Jacob, our shipping manager, people on YouTube can see I'm in one of our facilities that we, that we have products stored he's been gone. He's been in the keys. So I've been pulling double duty in charge of all the shipping and stuff like that. Of course, you know, it's a family business. So we got Leslie helping and John comes in to work part-time and even Gavin's chipping in, but dude, it's been, you know how it is when you got to jump in and pull double duty, two full-time jobs. Like it's been pretty stressful, but it's a good stress yeah. to have. So that's pretty much it for me. On shipping's kind of tedious too. Like, you know, you got to make sure you grab everything. You get shit in your head that they need this. And then you, you go back and check and you didn't get it right. You know, like uh, it's, it's tedious, man. You gotta be on your, you gotta be on your toes. You know, I, I, I like it. It's a nice break. Um, I write thank you in my name on every single package, whenever I do it. Um, Cause I want people to know like the owner of the company is, is very hands-on in the trenches. So I enjoy it. And it's nice because a lot of these people, Jason, you remember when you first started new ethics, man, dude, it was mostly your clients for the past 10 to 15 years and people that you knew. So like you're writing something on there, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, congrats on the new kid or something. You know what I mean? It's pretty cathartic, but it's just, it's a, it's a lot of work. And then, you know, in the next few weeks, I'll talk about other things that we're doing to ramp up the business, but I don't want this episode to go long. What about you, Kayla? What's, how's your week going? Uh, it's going. Um, I've had 
you know, a little bit of restructuring going on with things, um, a little challenges coming up here and there, but that's just, you know, part of growing and part of business. So, you know, same thing. I'm kind of pulling double duty right now to kind of get everything in place and how I want it. Um, just all in all, just to make it better in the end. So, um, but other than that, like, uh, we got, we're getting new furniture, uh, for our dining room. So that's exciting. Um, all the like, you know, domesticated house things, all that fun stuff now that I'm married. So, (laughs) We got a big package in the mail today and I had to take it inside in pieces because the box was way too heavy uh, for me to lift in the house. So I'll probably work on that tonight after I'm done training. So so that's about it for me. Nothing really much going on over here. Things are kind of calming down otherwise. So, Well, this, yeah. this, this will be a fun episode because I don't know if it'll go one or two parts to this, but... Kayla, I know you've got all the notes ready and and Jason and I have recently both done keto and we've been, we've had experience with this for a long time. So I'm really excited to dive in. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one because this is something like I've never personally done keto. Um, So I'm excited to learn a lot about it uh, and definitely take away some things myself. So uh, I think diving into it, just going over maybe some common myths would probably be a great start. Uh, So like, you know, there's ones that where it damages metabolism, there's muscle loss, it hurts insulin sensitivity. Um, because then when you start bringing carbs back in, you start blowing up, you know, you kind of feel like the keto flu. Um, and then, you know, it's easy again to gain fat once you're done. So are, you know, those true or like, how do we like bust those myths? So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll start with some of these because Jason, there's a couple that are definitely home runs for you. I, I know a lot of this stuff I get because, I know I do keto quite a bit and Jason, I'm sure you get these as well, but you know, the whole thing is we see a lot of people, it gets a bad rap and you see a lot of people say, well, it's going to do this, this, and this to you because people have negative experiences after they're done dieting. So it doesn't matter whether it's a ketogenic diet, doesn't matter if it's intermittent fasting, it doesn't matter if it's just dieting in general, most people gain weight afterwards. And when you see it, in the, in the mass population, especially gen pop, something like keto, a lot of people have tried, they tried Atkins back in the day, tried whatever approach. And the problem is, is people don't know how to transition off. So what do they do? They just lose their damn minds after they're done and they gain weight, but it's, it's not keto's fault at all. So the first one that you said um, on our notes here is that damages metabolism. People think that because of the weight regain, they, they think doing keto is something that's actually going to hurt your metabolism. And Jason, it's something you and I have talked about multiple times with just slowing of the thyroid. That's just yeah. dieting in general. Yeah, that's just dieting in general, right? I mean, that, that's what people need to understand. Yeah, I think I think it's it's generally, you know, being in that deficit and losing body weight is going to drive down thyroid. I'm not sure I've seen anything that says, you know, having fats over carbohydrates is, you know, going to necessarily affect thyroid. Um, you know, but there, there are, I think, I think there is where a nuance here because, um, at the same token, I have read where carbs will increase mm-hmm. thyroid, but, but does that mean that then keto decreases it? No, it just means that carbs may help bring thyroid up if we got something that comes with it with low carb. So I hope I made the distinction there. Yeah, I, I, and I I agree with that 100% because carbs boost leptin, which helps bump your metabolism a little bit where fats don't boost leptin like at all. So that's right. that's why we do things like 
high carb days to help keep you from stalling out. So, um, you know, keto is definitely not going to slow your metabolism, but it's not, it's not going to get the same uptick when you do eat carbs here and there. Um, and to me, that's also why people feel a little bit more hungry on a carb-based diet, like maybe a carbohydrate, a little lower fat-based diet versus a higher fat diet. Because, um, man, whenever you get that little up, uptick from eating carbs, you actually feel it. Like you can feel the hunger and you can feel your metabolism speed up just a little bit. I know the next one on the list was was muscle loss. And I think a lot of people think that keto causes a lot of muscle loss. So there's a lot of coaches that used to say this back in the day, especially you know research-based coaches but when you're eating enough protein and you're training the way you are, it's, it's, it's not going to cause muscle loss compared to another diet. It's extreme dieting that causes muscle loss because most people that diet don't experience muscle loss. If they've got adequate protein, which a good keto setup that we'll go over today has adequate protein, but you don't see muscle loss anyway. And most people, until you get to those very, very lean stages, like somebody competing on stage, um, I mean, if you're on any kind of hormone replacement therapy and you do keto versus a carb-based diet and you're just looking to drop 15 pounds, like you're not, you don't have to worry about muscle loss. So that, that to me is just a, a complete myth. Jason, is there anything you want to add to that? I agree. The myth, you know, comes from, uh, you know, being flat, you know, lack of glycogen. Um, that's a good so, point. So, you know, you, you appear uh, that you're not as full and therefore your shirt isn't as tight. Now you're thinking if you don't really understand what's going on, uh, oh my God, I'm losing muscle really fast, but it's just the glycogen stores that's at work. Yeah. I, I just, I haven't seen, we're just up, you're on keto. Uh, that means you're, you're going to lose muscle. Um, it just doesn't play out that way. Well, and the other thing too, is it, that will, tra- I'm glad you brought that up, man. That's a great point. It'll translate to a DEXA scan too. So if you had a DEXA scan done eating a carb-based diet, and then you go do keto for say eight weeks, you're going to be super flat, but without those glycogen stores in the muscle, that's actually going to look like muscle loss. And that's why after, if you carb up and you eat carbs for another six weeks, it's going to look like you gained maybe five pounds of muscle because it's actually glycogen. So that that's a really good point. Jason, I think the next one's a, a perfect one for you to talk about. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Some people say that when you're on a keto-based diet, it hurts your insulin sensitivity after because you blow up when you eat carbs. Yet you and I know the opposite because we implore keto at some stages. You just got done doing it yourself to help insulin sensitivity. So can can you kind of explain why that's a yeah. myth? Yeah. Well, you know, the myth comes from... <clears throat> when people would do these diets and they're not as educated as maybe they should be on how you transition off of it. Um, they kind of just eat everything in sight and they go back to their bad habits. Well, of course that's going to put weight on you very fast. I just recently did a keto for about three weeks, uh, reset my insulin sensitivity and I just worked carbs back in at a reasonable rate. I started pre and post, then I got them into meal one, Uh, And I just kept going along that way and I got leaner and that's usually how things work for me. So my, that tells me my insulin sensitivity was improved, not, not dampened. Um, So it really comes down to, I think, not understanding how to put the cars back in. And like I said, I start pre and post um, then meal one, uh, then meal two and, you know, all the way to meal five, if, if I need that in my program. Yeah, hundred percent. And and if you're listening, we are going to get to ketogenic dieting and the nuts and bolts of it. But first thing, like Kayla said, we're going to dispel these myths. So there's just a couple more. 
Uh, the next one is feel terrible. Like most people, you hear that you're going to feel terrible. Not everyone feels that. I, I think what, oh. Kayla, you kind of alluded to it. It's the keto flu that some people feel it don't and don't. And we're going to go into that in detail. But I, I feel it normally. Um, Jason, you're somebody that you don't ever feel it, right? I don't get it, dude. I, I go right into keto and I don't feel a damn difference. I, I, my, I still get a pump. Um, I don't know, man. I, I can't explain it, you know? And then, like, I just had a client recently who's battling um, high blood glucose. We've done a lot of shit. It's not working. I put him on keto for a week, and he wrote me, and he's like, dude, I don't know how you do this shit. I've, I'm dying. I'm dragging. He's a busy man. Yeah. But, like, I'm like, well, it's probably the keto flu. We really need to – if we can stick it out. And he's like, dude, this is not going to work for me. Like, we need to come up with another way to get these down. I'm like, all right. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone kind of – does it differently. So I think John is always right. And we might get into this because you don't know who's going to be like that. It's probably best to, to titrate down your carbs into keto rather than going yeah. to say, you know, like I'll just, I'll just go from 350 carbs to keto and I'm fine. But like me. <laughs> you would walk it down with people mostly. Yeah. 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 We, uh, we definitely will go over that in detail, but whew. I tell you what, if I did that, I would feel like someone ran over me and just like picked me up off the street and tried to have me go work out because like yeah. it doesn't really work. Uh, it looks like looks like we got a couple more. I th the last one I think is just a we just spend a second on it. It's easy to gain fat after your after a ketogenic diet. Like that's what a lot of people say, and I think what that comes back down to is just the fact that most people are going to gain fat back after a diet. But keto to me is one of those things. This is probably important to say. People experience more gain after keto, I think, more fat gain after keto because it's such a restrictive thing where you don't get to eat carbs. Most people have some kind of a mental rebound where they just want to eat. I'm that way a little bit. I mean, the older I get, it's not too bad, but I notice I, I will find myself wanting to go eat a little bit extra here and there. But when you really restrict yourself of carbs, it's the most hardcore diet there is, in my opinion you're just going to have more slip ups after you're done. And I think people associate keto being the problem when it's not, it's the restrictions, the problem. If anything, like Jason said earlier about insulin sensitivity, if you're going to eat more carbs after a ketogenic diet, you're more able to eat more carbs after a ketogenic because you've actually reset your insulin sensitivity some. So other than that, I mean, I think that's all kind of the common myths and stuff like that, Kayla. So if you want to kind of take it back over. Yeah. Um, those are all super good. And I think it helps the the viewers and the audience really understand what's, what's coming. So with keto, there's lots of different definitions of what I've researched so far and a lot of different skewed opinions on what actually keto is. So can you go over just what exactly it is and what that means? I, I think the easiest way, and I guess I'll start this off. The easiest way to define a ketogenic diet is when you're on a carb-based diet, like your body is carb adapted. It's used to using glucose as fuel. You'll see a lot of people say, well, your your body was made to run off of carbs. Well, your body's actually made to adapt to a lot of situations. So right now, I think we're all on a carb-based diet. No one hears keto, right? Out of us three. We're burning glucose as fuel. If we run low, you feel that you run low, so you eat more carbs to pick things back. So on a ketogenic diet, what happens is you lower your carbs, you completely eliminate them basically. And when you start to run out of stored glycogen, you know, in the muscle and the liver, and, and you're not taking any in after a few days, four or five, six days, maybe a week, 
your body quits running on glucose and your body starts to make ketones, right? Out of stored fats and the fats that you take in. That's why it's called a ketogenic diet. So you have zero glucose in your body basically to run off of. I mean, you always have glucose in your body, but I'm saying you're not using it for fuel. So your body taps into body fat and the fats that you're taking in and it makes these things, they're fractionated fats, they're called ketones. And they yield about seven calories per gram where a fat is normally nine. You know, if people want to really know the nerdy stuff like that. Um, but that's what your body runs off of. And they're very fast, efficient um, fuel sources. I mean, you can even take in ketones. I mean, Jason, your, your product I've been recommending people for a long time for keto salts, essential energy by new ethics. That's also another way you can take ketones in. And I've got a, a place that I plug that in and recommend it. But basically that's, that's a ketogenic diet in a nutshell, as far as, you know, if you want to talk about to, how to measure it and know, um, you always need to make sure that you measure it with a glucometer, like a, 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 a stick, right? A keto stick instead of the pea sticks, because if it's 0.5 millimolars all the way up to like three, that means that you're in ketosis. If you pee on a stick, the problem with that is like, say you pee on a stick first thing in the morning. Well, you haven't been drinking water all night, right? So you're going to have concentrations of ketones. That's going to tell you whether you're in ketosis or not in the morning. But say if you drink a gallon of water and then you pee on one at, say, six o'clock in the evening, it's going to be so diluted, it's going to show low ketones, right? Because you have a bunch of fluid in your body. It's going going out also. So it's going to show that you're low. So a lot of people say, well, if I'm trying to define myself as being in a ketogenic diet, my sticks are saying I'm not in. That's the pee stick. So I tell people, listen, just if you feel good, you know that you're in. You know that you're in and you're not eating carbs. You know that you're in. That's the easiest bro way to do it. it you don't have to buy anything. But if you really want to measure on the sticks, you can plug those into a glucometer. They're keto sticks. And you need to be 0. 0.5 to 3.0 millimolars to be actually in diet, you know, dietary ketogenic diets, right? Like in a ketogenic state, I mean. And, you know, being fat adapted is like John said, you know, the main hallmark of, you know, defining uh, ketosis. Um, but I think we would be not doing justice if we didn't discuss like bodybuilding keto and like true keto. Uh, I don't know if that's coming up in the show, but I think that our listeners would like that. And this is, you know, a show a lot of competitors probably listen to. So, yeah, 100 yeah. percent. Big, big difference in a, in a way, the right way to set it up, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that was going to be my next question was just okay. like the different types of keto diets. Like, you know, there, you mentioned bodybuilding versus like true, but is there anything else? And then, you know, what do you guys prefer based on that? Uh, well, I, I, I would break it up into true ketosis, uh, bodybuilding ketosis, and then protein and veggie days type ketosis for me. That's my three different ones that I mainly uh, float in and out of with clients. I don't know if John has others, but if those are our definitions, then we can dive into like kind of what the macro setup is and things. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and I like that you went there. Um, there's three different like types of ketogenic diets. And then those, like you said, like the tactics that are used within, um, which are super important. And especially with you talking about the keto veggie days, as far as ketogenic dieting, um, just from like a, a global standpoint of like what most people would kind of understand if they read a book on ketogenic dieting, their standard ketogenic dieting, which is an SKD. Basically, that's just you don't eat carbs, you don't carb up, you just eat protein and fats and get some fiber in. And that's just a standard keto diet, like no carbing up or like, 
none of the fun geeky stuff as i like to say like so just normal like if you think of atkins like that's standard keto dieting right there's a ckd which was the fun stuff that I kind of cut my teeth on. And Jason, I know you've got a ton of experience as well. A cyclical keto dieting, that's where you go, you know, six to eight, nine, 10 days, whatever. And then you carve up and then you go right back to a ketogenic diet. So you're inserting a place in to throw yourself out of ketosis, to carve back up and give yourself glycogen stores and then to get back in. And there's so much written out there. Lyle McDonald has written a bunch. I cut my teeth with Body Opus written in 96 by Dan Duchesne. There's all that different kind of stuff, but essentially it's carving up. So it's a cyclical CKD. And then finally, the one that's used the least amount, but that is really fun to play with, especially for performance athletes, is a TKD. It's a targeted keto diet. And that's when you insert carbs, usually fast acting carbs, somewhere around the workout. So when someone's in a ketogenic state, I'll use Leslie as an example, when she's doing these CrossFit competitions, she did a couple as keto to experiment. So she just run off of fats and we would throw in some dextrose in her drink and she would have that stuff. So basically she had the fats for fuel that she needed. And then she'd throw um, glucose in dextrose and she would burn both at the same time because it wasn't enough to kick herself out of ketosis. So she literally had two fuel sources. It's kind of like opening up the, the hood of your car and just dumping gas right in the motor. Like it doesn't have to go through all the different places it needs to go. So as long as it wasn't high enough, you can insert glucose into a ketogenic diet and burn both for a, for a short amount of time. Isn't it smartest though, to go without the carbs, like at first so that you get fat adapted before you start putting those in. I mean, it feels like it would kind of backtrack you each time if you never got fully in. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's why to me, you know, only for performance athletes. And I've got a whole system where I get someone fat adapted, like you said, yeah. Jason, and then do it. it yeah. And, and for people that are wondering, you know, why we say fat adapted, you know, that's something to where if you go without carbs for four days, you're not really fat adapted yet. Normally it takes a little while. Like Jason, you said you went three weeks. So, I mean, you obviously know you got fat adapted really fast. I, I felt good from day one. So I didn't carb up yeah. till like day 12. And, yeah. and it really wasn't, it was like maybe three pieces of suit, three, like, you know, uh, not Two pieces, people. but whatever you call rolls yeah rolls yeah and uh and that was about it that's all, all i really needed um but yeah yeah i see a lot of people they normally it's like two weeks they they feel they feel great they feel fat adapted there's not a ton of research out there that i'm aware of but fat adapted is basically when you know you're in ketosis and you feel good like you have a lot of energy so i think you're right though getting to that point first on just a keto diet then you can start throwing that stuff in here and there. And it's not very much like I, I think we were putting in 30 carbs each time from dextrose, but Leslie was burning that during the workout. So like, there's no time for it to store and kick her out of ketosis. So it's one that people mess up a lot though. It's one they'll, they'll eat carbs that don't digest fast and they'll eat too many and they start to get the keto flu and the headache again. Um, but those, those to me are, are kind of the three, as far as defining it globally for people. Do you want to go into um, the difference between bodybuilding and keto so that people know the macros? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, you and I remember, we remember the message board days. We remember like, I've done this so many different ways and I know you have too. So I think there's a huge distinction that people need to understand because, you know, you've got people that don't work out doing keto. And then you've got people that are working out and then you've got competitive athletes, like, like you said, bodybuilders, 
that there's no way you can cut it on some of these approaches that are out there because the protein's not even high enough, man. So like, if you, if you want to break that down, I think that would be great for people to, to hear. Okay. So, you know, in a, in a true ketogenic diet, as I labeled it, um, you've got to get, you've got to get your protein low too, because it can convert, um, gluconeogenesis. And then now you've got too much protein. You're, you're, you're not getting into ketosis. So what the usual formula is, it's uh, about 20% protein from your caloric intake, 5% carbohydrate and 75% fat. So as you can imagine, like say I was going to eat 2,500 calories, that's going to come out to maybe like 170 grams of protein and 150 fat or something crazy. And I feel amazing on that diet, but I don't lose fat very well. But you put me on a carb diet with 2,500 calories, I'm going to drop fat. So I've found for me this high fat, though I feel good, I've got to find a happy medium. And that's where bodybuilding keto comes in for people like me and my clients who don't do well on the um, one that I just talked about. And the bodybuilding keto is going to have a lot more protein. You know, so for me, it might be like 250 grams of protein and then maybe 80 fats. And I'm going to do a lot better there in terms of fat loss. And I've just found that out over the years. Um, but, you know, again, technically speaking, that protein is pretty damn high and it's probably some converting, but I burn it off and I'm able to get into ketosis. But I am an odd at D and the fact that like either one of those, I feel great on. So I don't have that lull. Um, but that's so you, I guess you would put maybe, um, on that bodybuilding keto around 60%, uh, protein, 5%, um, carb, and then about 35% fat of your, of your caloric intake that you're, that you're doing. And I'll actually even start someone on like what I call true keto. And then as we go, I lower fats and up protein and transition into bodybuilding keto. And then if I need to, I transition into the protein veggie keto, which we were talking about earlier too. Um, and we can rotate days in, we can do, you know, every other different, different situations there. And that's just basically pulling all the fats out of the diet. So let's say by now I'm at 250 and 80, I pull the 80 out. It's just trace, put a cup or two of cooked veggies per meal. And there's my diet. And it's probably about a thousand calories. So it's, it's really low. Um, but putting those in seem to really help pull the fat if you got really stubborn fat. So that kind of gives you an idea of how I do it. Yeah. And, and, and our, our listeners need to understand, you're not talking about just doing that all the time. Like you're, you're using, you're well known for the protein veggie days. Um, you've been doing those for a long time when people get super, super stubborn, um, talk about when, like, get, give us an example of when you use that for a yep. competitor and, and how you, cause I, you used to plug in a day here or a day there. Um, but I, I don't want people thinking they need to do protein veggie days right out of the gate, which, you no. know what I mean? Cause you, yeah, you say no. that and people will. So that's like a transition, you know, like I might start someone at true keto. We work into bodybuilding keto as we're pulling fats, putting more back into protein. <clears throat> and then finally, as I can get into a situation where say glutes aren't coming in, lower backs, not coming in and we're already down this keto path that's when I'm going to put in some protein veggie days. And a lot of times for me, I start out and just do protein, fat, protein, veggie, protein, fat, protein, veggie, protein, fat. Um, if that's six days, I refeed on the seventh and repeat. And as I need to burn more and more, I can start pulling the PF days out and putting more PV days in. I've got to the point where someone does do six protein veggie days 
and then hits a refeed. Um, you know, my really stubborn women, it works for them. Um, and remember, we're talking about competition dieting here. Yeah. Like if you're getting ready yeah. for the beach, please don't do that. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> it, there is going to be hormone, hormonal effects. And that's why I try to wait to the very end. Um, but sometimes you, you just got to do what you got to do. If someone's committed to the, the fact of getting on stage and, and a ripped, uh, you know, physique. So, yeah. It, you know, I think I'm going to talk about the way that I set it up because I know people are probably listening. They're thinking, well, how the fuck do I set this up? Researchers tend to go the route that you talked about, Jason, 20% protein, 5% carbs, you know, 75% fat. And they apply that as a rule of thumb. And the problem with that is, and I've had multiple conversations with a lot of people that do ketogenic dieting research. The main problem with that is that's all depending on how many calories you're taking in. So if you're a female and you're taking in 1200 calories at the end of your diet, and you only do 20% of that from protein, your protein is going to be so drastically low. If you're weight training, that doesn't, that doesn't correlate with the world that we're in. Like this is elite physique university. No one, no one's listening here. That's not working out. So I, I, I throw completely throw the research based formulas out because that's not how we operate as athletes. So I've tried it multiple, multiple different ways. And the best way that I found that kind of encompasses everybody in, in a way that's at least going to help you recover and be able to hold on to muscle is I set it up this way. You take your current calories. So I'll use myself as an example. If I'm maintaining on 2,500 calories, you take your current calories and you're going to leave those the same. And you start with protein because that to me should always be the beginning. And you take your lean mass and you take one gram per protein per pound of lean mass. So I have about 180 pounds lean mass. I'm going to take in 180 grams of protein. Is that enough to grow off of? No, it's enough to where you're not going to feel what, get, what Jason talked about earlier is when your protein's really, really high, you start to convert that over into carbs and you feel like shit and you'll feel the keto flu. 180 or one gram per pound of lean mass seems to be about the right spot where people can feel good. They still have good workouts and they can recover. That's not low protein by any means. So that female eating 1200 calories, for example, if she weighed 120 pounds and her lean mass was 110 and she's almost a stage, maybe she's going to just take in 110 protein. So that's just, that gives you an idea of how it will work with a physique athlete or somebody serious about the gym. So that's the first step is protein. Your calories are going to be the same. The next is trace carbs. So for most people, it's going to be 30 grams, mostly fiber, 30 to 40 grams. And then to get your fats, the rest of your fats make up the rest of your calories. So for me on 2,500 calories, it's 180 protein, 30 to 40 carbs, and about 180 fats. And I'm sitting around 2,500 calories. So that to me is the easiest way you set it up based on your, your, your calories. And I never have a problem with people saying, hey, like after two weeks, they're like, hey, I'm having keto flu all the time. It's normally if they're doing other little things, like they're trying to eat too much stuff with trace carbs. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But that to me has been the best way that I've I've set it up. And I wish the researchers would do that. But the problem is they don't have a bunch of people like us to do research on. They've got anybody they can grab to do a ketogenic diet. So um that to me is, has been the best way to set it up. But Jason, you also mentioned higher protein. And I think that needs to get a mention here because there are many times people like us and our clients can get higher protein. And it's what you alluded to. I've noticed the the more volume someone trains with, or even myself in general, the more go. I train, yep. the, the more I could take in 240 grams of protein yep. because I'm not going to convert that over. And see, since I feel so good, I don't train, I don't train, I don't change how I train. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. I just, 
and, and it's all, you know, I'm a little more high volume at my age I and mean, I'm not in there freaking, you know, going, you know, ham at, at, at four reps. So, um, it just kind of stays. So that's, that's a good point that you bring up. And and I like that you, that you bring their protein up. I, I like to start people off on that one gram per pound of lean mass. And then as they get in into ketosis, if there's room, I will add some protein back in. But if you're, if people are doing it with more high protein, in the beginning, your body still doesn't, it's not making ketones yet. So it's looking for some kind of a fuel source and it's going to immediately grab onto protein and try and convert it. So then you're going to be battling that in the beginning. So it's better to start off a little bit low. Um, Kayla, I know we are jumping around. How are you doing navigating the show notes with, with uh, Jason I'm, and I? <laughs> I'm solid. Um, I actually had a question that's not on the notes that just came up, but yeah. usually like I know, John, this is your favorite topic with gut health, but I always think that's my first thought. It's just like, okay, well, what about people that have, you know, a hard time digesting fats with the higher fat diet? What about, you know, those who I always find sometimes that I have clients that will get really gassy or really like bad smelling like gas because of the protein only. So what do you do in that situation? So actually, to me, what I've seen with my clients over the years, and especially with myself, I quit having gas on a ketogenic diet because I don't, I don't have carbs. I mean, you'll, you'll look at fermentation-based carbs, you know, low, low FODMAP, of course, we can eliminate some of that. You don't feel what you normally feel, but on a, on a ketogenic-based diet, I have, my stomach's way smaller. I have way less bloating. I hardly ever have gas. I don't have gas until I start eating carbs again. Then I immediately start having gas. Um, I don't eat a ton of vegetables on a ketogenic diet. I don't need a ton of fiber, but my calories aren't real high, but I do eat some, but I don't eat anything that causes me gas. So that might be the only place I would see people get it. Sometimes if people use cheap keto salts and they have way too much, it can cause flatulence. It can cause you know a little bit of stomach upset, but if you're using like essential energy, there's no way you're going to feel that. Like that's going to burn so clean. You'll never feel any problems with those keto salts because the BHB and everything that Jason, that you put in there, like that's just a clean product. So no one should actually feel that on a keto based diet. Now, if they have problems digesting fats, a lot of it will come down to, I've seen people want to use MCTs too much, which are medium chain triglycerides. And those are very fast digesting fats. They, they break down and kind of burn like a carb, uh, but they're still fats they're still calories. But if you have too much of that, it will cause stomach upset. It'll actually run through you like a laxative. Diarrhea too. Yeah. All kinds. I mean, Jason, you've got a ton of experience with MCTs. I, I remember yeah. us talking about, should we count them or should we not count them back in the day? And I mean, there was all kinds of MCTs. Yeah, I, I do too them. now. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. But there's powders out there for MCTs. Like those those wreck your gut. I've just noticed. I think Quest had made a powder. I don't think they do anymore. Those One like, thing those- I, I will note, um, because I am someone who the body, my body just prefers carbs. Um, so when I'm running a higher fat diet and for me, that's going to be 140, 150 grams. I usually add in some like ox bile or like Tudka mm-hmm. um, because fat digestion is, is heavily based on bile production. And I think mine's weak. I think that's why I probably tend more towards um, a low carb diet. I'm sorry, a low fat diet with more carbs. Um, so at least when I'm on keto, I, I do, I do add that. And you won't know 
that that's an issue per se until you get to know your client. But if someone comes back and they're like, man, I'm really kind of bloated on this, you know, yeah, you could be feeding them just too much food, but at the same time, they might have, you know, a bile issue and you can kind of get that taken care of and get them processing that fat faster. Cool. Yeah, that's helpful. Cause I, I have a client in mind who's had a little bit of like gut issues and stuff from what he's been eating. And we, switched out for like lower sulfur proteins and stuff, but, but yeah, we've never tried full keto, but that might be something I could try with him. So I might try it out, but all right. Um, so then back to the show notes, um, sidetracked, but what's the best way to get into ketosis quickly? You know, how to get there before I've heard sometimes like keto flu even can last up to like four weeks, you know? So what's the best way to go about that? It, It shouldn't last that long. Um, Jason kind of alluded to it earlier. I have a whole, so I have a document that I send my clients when I start on my keto. It's like, Hey, here's the steps. And in it, I talk about ways to get into ketosis quickly. Right. So normally what I'll do is I'll take someone say it was Jason. If he's eating 350 carbs a day, I would take that person for a week, maybe even two, depending on who they are, but maybe it's a week and you just lower the carbs pre and post, and then you up the fats and you leave their calories the same. So basically you're lowering carbs and you're able to deplete muscle and liver glycogen, right? And you're starting to get them a little flat, a little depleted. And then after that little short transition, then I'll switch them over to straight keto with no carbs. And I found that 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 really helps because then it doesn't take long to get into ketosis after that. So little tips and tricks that help are to um, train in the high rep ranges. I tell people, hey, the week that you start keto, training the high rep ranges, 15, 20, even up to 30 reps, that's going to deplete muscle glycogen and liver glycogen a lot faster. It's going to help you get into ketosis faster. So that's one. And then uh, Jason, I don't know if you remember back in the day, if, if you were, if you were seeing this, but you know, everybody used to think GDAs were, uh, oh, just foo-foo, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like stuff that people promoted that didn't actually work, but I remember GDAs were one of the things I got excited about back in like 2009, 2010, about using those to help someone drop down and lower their blood sugar. Can you, is that something that you ever did is like talk about using GDAs to lower blood sugar to help someone drop into ketosis? Yeah. um, But for me, I don't know if I did it at, at the beginning of a diet, but what I would do is with their, with their refeed day, um, they would take a GDA with every meal and then pre-bed, I'd have them do like two more. And so the thought process being, you know, we can clear out that glycogen and get back into ketosis faster. Yeah. It's, but it's, it would work the same, like as you work someone down as well. Um, and it would help in that situation. So, yeah, I, I did do that. I still do that um, to this day. Yeah. If, uh, if someone wanted to use a GDA with each meal, the first or second day of trying to get into a ketogenic diet, what's going to happen is, is you're not taking in carbs. So you're going to have blood sugar at, at whatever normal levels. You take a GDA and it starts to drive it down. Well, your body's not going to let it just stay low. So your liver is going to start kicking out more stored glycogen to get those levels up. And the GDA is going to keep pushing it down. So what happens is it, it helps deplete your liver faster. Well, that's actually how you get to a ketogenic diet. As soon as your liver is depleted of glucose, then it starts making ketones. So it's kind of like a neat little trick. And, you know, GDAs, Jason, you have one. I I do as well. 
you've got berberine uh, 500 megs. Like I know yours, like the back of my hand, GDA max, because I used it for a long time. Those, those are very powerful fat loss tools. They're not going to cause someone to go hypo and like something super bad going to happen. Like your body's going to fix itself, but they're very powerful for driving blood sugar down, but your body's not going to let, so don't let that scare you is what I'm trying to say. It's not like if you take fucking metformin, like that's probably not going to be a good idea because you know what I mean? Um, Unless your insulin sensitivity has faded. And then you can stay on your metformin during your keto because I did and I still felt fine. <laughs> so, so, so that's interesting. I didn't want to be bring... on keto as long. And I knew that if I stayed on, it was going to get me reset quicker. So I did. So, so can you talk about that with blood sugar being a little higher in some people? Cause I, for yeah. the nerdy people that know that have taken like our insulin sensitivity classes, that's kind of a cool little thing. If you understand how the body works, where you can yeah. insert something like metformin. Well, you know, I noticed for me that I was gaining more body fat around the navel than I like to carry. And and for the last three, four years, I'd pretty much perfected being able to just stay lean and still live my life pretty much the way I want. And so I was like, what the hell's going on here? And I started tracking my blood sugars, you know, because I, I I know you guys, one thing you got to look at. And of course, they were running high in the morning, 110s, you know, postprandials weren't looking much better, 120s. So at that point, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and hop into ketosis here. And uh, what I what I did was is I just kept my metformin the way I would take it. So I took it uh, meal one and meal five, 500 milligrams each, and uh, just got into the ketogenic diet. And, um, you know, by week two, I was showing 88s, 86s on my fasted. Um, so if you're elevated, you can yeah. do that. If you're someone who has blood glucose at 70 73 74 75 but you're employing a ketogenic diet yeah metformin would be a bad idea you're gonna hit the 60s and that's gonna cause you to have like nausea um sweats adrenaline dumps etc etc so yeah kind of a neat little nerdy peel back the curtain thing for those of you that understand how you can use that we're not saying go out and use metformin. Like you need to really understand how the body works. Plus you need a script for that anyway. So I, I have one. Advanced Vitality fat. HRT, baby. Hit us up. There you go. <laughs> yep. It's a, it's, it's a very interesting medication. I, I honestly, those in GDAs, I, I think seven out of 10 people that do what we do, ultimately, you, you know, putting the stress on the body that you at some point, something like that really helps somebody to get healthy, you know, but that's a whole other topic. We won't go down that, that side path. Okay, Kayla, back to you. <laughs> All right. So we've mentioned uh, keto flu quite a bit so far. So let's kind of go into that and what that's all about. You know, what is it? And then what do you do, you know, when you start to feel like crap? Cause I know it can put people down like pretty hard. Yeah. I well, think John will be the to, best at answering this one. So yeah, asshole. Cause you don't feel it. You're one, <laughs> of the, <laughs> you're, you're one of the lucky ones. So what I want people listening to do is think about yourself right now. Right. So if you've been on a key jank diet, you probably, you probably have felt what I'm going to say. I, I would guess seven or eight people out of 10 feel the keto flu at some point or some, some, a little bit of it. So what happens is you start the ketogenic diet, you're on day one through maybe it's day four or five. I always feel it on day four or five. What's happening is, like I said, you're not taking in carbs. So your body doesn't have that fuel source. Um, and, and then when you run out of it, you're in this little weird window, right? So maybe it's day four, your body has no stored glycogen to use. 
but your body hasn't started making ketones yet. And it's this weird little like 24 hour window to where the only thing your really body can try and use is protein. And that's not an efficient fuel source and it feels terrible. So you have no carbs and fats to use as energy. Um, and it's that weird little window. And what happens is, is you get this slight headache and it feels like for those of you, and I'm sitting here drinking a monster, of course, when you come off caffeine, cold Turkey, you get that slight, just kind of annoying headache and nothing makes it go away. The keto flu feels exactly like that. So you'll get this weird headache. It's your body searching for some fuel source. It's not there. And the other thing is most people feel completely like death. So for those of you that have prepped and you get lean and you feel like death, it's very similar to that, except you're, you're fucking fat and you feel like that. And if you're like, Hey, I'm not supposed to feel this, what's going on. And Jason, you had talked about a client that you said, Hey, we got to find a different way. Like, this is not for me. This isn't working because it's that feeling. And most people are like, Hey, I'm not going through this. It's just a short period of time that you feel that. So the best way to combat that, that I've noticed is start drinking essential energy because that's, you're drinking the, the BHB salts, the keto salts, and that immediately gives you some energy. And that's the time where you actually want to go in and hammer out a big high rep workout and just get it done. It's like you're trying to deplete that last bit so your body will start making ketones. And normally I see people wake up the next day and they're like, man, I woke up and it feel like somebody flipped the light switch on. Like I'm ready to go. And that's your body running off of ketones. And it's very, it's a very good feeling because one, you just came off feeling like shit, but it feels good because you have an endless source of like ketones and fats to use for fuel. I don't care if you're shredded, you have an unlimited amount of fats that your body will break down stored fat to use as fuel. And it's a very steady fuel source because it's not like carbs where your blood sugar goes up and then it goes back down. Fats are very, very steady. Ketones are steady. But leading up to that, some people will feel that keto flu. And it's just, if you know it's coming, you can kind of suck it up. But if it's your first time and you don't know, that's where, that's where people say, hell with this. Like, this is not for me. I can't keep this up because they think that's what keto feels like the whole time. And if you're someone that's experiencing that, you just mentioned four weeks, if they're experiencing that past, maybe one or two days, they need to look at the things that are going to keep them in that state where they feel the keto flu. Um, Jason, you can probably think of some things that are, that are more trace carbs than people should have. You know, I'm, I'm always telling people, Hey, like, if you're chewing a whole pack of gum a day, like that's, that's a decent amount of carbs. If it's 20 pieces of gum and it's two carbs per stick, like there you go. Or if you're using a bunch of Splenda, if you're using like, you know, a lot of people want to use it in like all their coffee and all this other stuff or drink packets. And there's a lot of sneaky trace carbs. Can you think of anything else there that, that you can think of that are little things that would add to people's carbs, just, just being higher than what we normally want? Mm. I just thought of one um, while you're thinking um, a lot of people want to buy foods that are prepackaged keto foods that, that have a decent amount of carbs. They say keto friendly, but there's a decent amount of carbs in those still. I got to think someone who has uh, an uncontrolled gum chewing. Yeah. Potential, you know, I know it's erythritol and it shouldn't do it, but I could see there are actually like, if you read the label, like two grams of sugar yeah, like per, per stick usually. So, I mean, if you're crushing five of those a day, that's 10 grams, maybe it would do something, maybe it wouldn't. But, you know, if you're right on that cusp um, and you need 20 to be in and now you're at 30, it, it, it possibly could. 
Um, and then just not tracking what's in your whey protein and things like that. But I think you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, All those trace carbs definitely add up, especially if you're using, you know, some of our stuff will hear behind me, our premium blended protein. It's a blend of like casein and, and a concentrate. So it's got five carbs per serving, which is fine if you're on a carb-based diet. But if you're going to do like four scoops of that day, well, there's 20 carbs right out of the gate. Plus, not to mention the other things that you're eating. Even vegetables are half fiber, half carbs that impact blood sugar, right? So like a cup of broccoli is four carbs, two are fiber and the two are actually natural sugars. Well, if you're eating mounds of that stuff, like it's going to ultimately add up at the end of the day to where your body is just, it's trying to store a little bit of glucose in the liver. And then what's happening is it's keeping your body from making ketones. So you'll feel like shit. And that's, that's why I think people just need to be real mindful of the little things that they track coffee creamers and yeah, just all that kind of stuff. You know, the little stuff can add up if you're doing a bunch of it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's to a lot of things that people don't even realize that they're doing like vegetables for sure. Like for someone like me, I love veggies and I would probably eat too many of them and that wouldn't be a good. <laughs> so, but what, what about, you know, what you can do? Um, do we, go through that with like keto salts and everything like that. We mentioned keto salts, but is there anything else, you know, besides that of what you can do for, to help the keto flu? Just know that it's going to hit you. Like that's, that's the main thing. Like, know yeah, it's right. going to hit you. Yeah. You, because you don't, this is where people will break and they'll eat a little bit of carbs. Like I, I, I had a girl that just did it and she had, she went and had some cereal or something. She goes, Hey, like, I, I felt much better. I had some cereal. I'm like, yeah, but now you prolonged it. Now we've yeah. got to go through that again. She didn't know like, right. Mm -hmm. So I think just knowing going in that you may feel it or you're one of those lucky people. And to me, I've seen the people that are lucky and don't feel it. It doesn't have shit to do with how you look or, or it's just a, it's just the weirdest thing. I have no idea why you would think a fatty like me would, would just be in it just like that. And I'm not. And I've seen other people, worse than I am that they never feel it at all. They just feel great. And then Jason, you're, you know, you're more of an upper level professional bodybuilder. You stay lean, you're around, you can, you can plow through carbs, but dude, you can go keto just like that and you never feel it. And I would, if I had to guess, I would think you were probably one of the ones that would feel it, but you don't. So it's just hard to, what's, it's your, hard best, to, what's, what's your best theory? Why, why I don't get keto flu? Here's my best, here's my best theory. I think that some people can genetically break down fuel sources faster and more efficiently than some other people. And I think because I'm, I'm kind of a fatty type guy, like I just have trouble in general. I think everything's more sluggish. And I think you give your body, your body just gets through it so quick that you burn through all those carbs. And the next thing you know is you're starting to tap into fat and you might even be tapping into fat stores at the same time because you're lowering the carbs. And the next thing you know is, Dude, you're probably dropping into ketosis overnight while you're sleeping and you don't even feel it. So I, I do think that there's that kind of component and no, it's a good theory. I like it. I mean, it makes sense. I've kind of thought the same thing, you know, it had to do with probably how fast I deplete. Um, you know, I, I've always been one that depletes hard. I've got a carb yeah. up hard. Like, so I, I do think that's probably why you, you burn, I burn through so fast once you pull that source that I'm just. I'm able to get into ketosis very quickly. So, and you know, something else interesting, I'll, I'll, I'll add this cause it's kind of in the same realm. And then this, uh, Kayla, if you decide to, this will probably be the end of part one. Cause I know Jason's got to go, but 6 PM. Yeah. So here's, here's an interesting thing that I've found. And I've talked to other researchers about this as well. 
if you do notice, there are people that really get a lot leaner faster on a ketogenic diet versus a carb-based diet and then vice versa. And if you look at people that are ectomorphs and they have a fast metabolism, they can eat just all the carbs they want. And it's like really hard for them to gain weight, right? They're very, their body is great at being carb adapted and burning through carbs. Well, I have seen people like me now I'm way better on a keto diet versus a carb-based diet. There are people like me that when you actually, let's go back to the carb-based person, right? So say Jason, say maybe when you're 25, right? You can eat 400 carbs a day. Maybe your blood sugar was staying in the eighties and it was just a, a normal thing, right? We'll just use that as, as an example. And you're someone that could, you could go out and have some Wendy's ice cream and you could do all these different things and your blood sugar stayed in a good place. You could eat high carbs and you, you just processed everything well. I've seen people like that on a ketogenic diet. And the way that you measure that is I've seen some of those ectomorph type people that can eat a lot of carbs when they go on a keto based diet it seems like their blood ketones don't want to, it seems like they stay really, really high, right? Like they're at like 3.0 and someone like me, mine will go up to, remember you got to be at 0.5 to 3.0 to be in ketosis. Technically mine will stay down real low. And a lot of people are like, well, why are you staying low? It's because I burn the fats and I keep it low. It's I'm basically the equivalent to that carb based person with a fast metabolism that can eat all the carbs. I'm that way on a ketogenic diet. So my actually numbers stay low because I'm constantly burning through them. And I did an experiment. It's actually something I want to do at scale someday. I took a bunch of people. Leslie was one. I was one. And we, we stand on a ketogenic based diet and we tried to eat ourselves fat. And it was literally impossible. Now, I know researchers are going to say that I'm, listen, I'm not selling a damn thing. I'm just telling you what I saw. Leslie was eating 300 grams of fucking fat a day and literally dropping weight for like two weeks and just getting leaner. And she physically couldn't eat more than that. Cause like her did, stomach did was this like, happen after a diet phase or just on a regular off season, regular off season, didn't have anything to do around prep or anything. So she was doing that. And I was smashing like triple bacon cheeseburgers, like every other night. And just, as long as I was in a ketogenic state and I didn't touch carbs, and on this last run I just did here just a, a month ago, I was able to do that. And I actually kept dropping, I kept dropping weight. Like my calories had to be four, five, six thousand on some of those days, two or three days a week. So I, I've noticed that you can't almost can't eat yourself fat on a ketogenic based diet. It's the craziest thing. I have no idea why. Um, I think some of that is you don't see weight gain because when you if you pound a bunch of carbs, it requires water to store all the glycogen and you fill back out. On a fat-based diet, like you don't really see that. But I mean, we tried it for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it, it's it's just an interesting thing that I noticed that I want to pass out to everybody. To me, it's 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 kind of fun. You know, if you're going to do a keto-based diet and you spend the first two weeks and get fat adapted, go out and enjoy some burgers. Go out and enjoy all that different kind of stuff and just don't eat the carbs. And you'll notice like you don't really, you can't gain fat. Like I've tried, I've literally tried to eat, get people to gain fat and they can't. So I don't know why, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Hmm. That's very interesting, but also disclaimer to people that that doesn't mean you just can go eat all the shit food that you want. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's what I tried to get them to do. Go out and eat as much bacon, cheeseburgers, and like all that stuff that you wanted. I, I, we tried it. Um, 
guts didn't feel the best, but I'll be damned if there was zero fat gain happening after, you know, five, six, seven weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But what's that going to end up doing to gut health over time? You know what I mean? And yep. someone like me, I, I don't recommend if you have high cholesterol, I do not recommend that at all. My labs were terrible. Yeah. Jason, you remember when we first started this podcast, my labs, my cholesterol is super high. So got to go. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that that's a really good stopping point, especially since Jason had to buzz out of here. But um, next time what we can go over is just like, you know, how to transition back to carbs, transitioning off, you know, doing it in off season, that sort of stuff like the coming to an end of the keto diet and how to set that up for you guys. So um, hopefully you guys got a lot of information from this. Um, We're excited to come back and do more next week. And yeah, we like to break it up so that way you can kind of digest what we've been putting out there for you. So this one was awesome. Um, super helpful information. I definitely was writing down some notes too. So, so yeah, really excited for it. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.